0: Welcome to The People's Show with Bick Nazar and Randy Janda. Let's get going on a Wednesday. It is the People's Show coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Bik Nazar Israel Fair filling in for Randy Janda. A trio of people running the show. Ben Bassman, Intern David, <laughs> Dominic Sharmaddy. Full house. How many 650 producers does it take to uh, run a show? I think we need a couple more, to be honest. (laughs) You can always be part of the show. I still have some questions
1: about what's going on back there.
0: (laughs) You can be part of the show, 650-650, into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver and online at DunbarLumber.com. Izzy, what's going on?
1: Canucks game day, Bic. Hi. Another day for... um, Chaos with this team in preseason. We only got two more of these, so uh, savor them. Are you enjoying the preseason, or rather, are you enjoying the discourse about the joy preseason joy in preseason? To me, does not really mesh. I, I'm. I think I'm at the stage
0: of the the narrative and the discourse of preseason where it's just kind of funny to me now. We like. We really just need the season to start. Yeah. In in the best and worst way possible, <laughs> we really just need the season to start. Uh, but, you, look, we should get excited about tonight. McDavid's in town for a preseason game uh, in Abbotsford. Dan Riccio and Satyar Shaw will be on hand for it as well. Uh, they're doing the game out in Abbotsford. Uh, so, and Dylan Holloway's in town, building on his hat trick from the last preseason game. He looked good. He looked really good. He looked like a first-round prospect that's uh, making a leap. So, uh, keep an eye on uh, him as well this evening. Uh, but that was last game when it was mostly... AHL players. Now you're getting a more reinforced Canucks lineup. Uh the morning skate today. Pearson, Miller, Garland, Joshua, Horvat, Hoglander, Put Colson Patterson, Kuzmenko, Dickinson, Nils Oman, and Curtis Lazar were your four groups. Hugh Shen, OELP, Poolman, uh Burroughs and Myers, Rulan and Rathbone, uh extra skaters, Martin slated to start. Uh, from Bruce Boudreaux later today. Uh, we'll, we'll bring you that audio. Uh, also, Thatcher Demko is uh, going to be part of it as well, but uh, Spencer Martin, his game today. Looking at this, I think there was an initial sticker shock of seeing, like, Jack Rothbone outside of it. I got to admit, I think tonight, you you and I are big movie guys. Big time. We talk about it all the time. We brought it to the air last week, Tarantino, Guy Ritchie, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. Adnan, but, let you have it. Yeah. But look, we, we talk movies a lot. And and today, I was looking at this lineup, and th- there was a movie that kind of th- this struck me as. Because usually when we go through training camp, we're talking about tryouts and auditioning this guy and this guy and, and see what it all works. But there's a lot of tinkering of people you know that already exists. This, to me, is like the, wish, the, the whiplash lineup. Remember that movie, Twenty Fourteen? Miles Teller, J.K. Simmons won an award too for it. Yeah, um, J.K. Simmons, best supporting. Yeah, it was a good movie. But the whole movie is centered around Miles Teller trying to become this the drummer for the band at a school. Yeah, the band's already in place. Like that band exists. That's your Miller, your your Horvath, your Patterson. Miles Teller is essentially Jack Rathbone in this scenario. Mm-hmm. Okay, everything around has already been placed. This is a competition now. Actually, I would even say Jack Rathbone's already in. the The people that are competing today are Pullman and Burroughs. Okay. You watch this lineup tonight, and why this has been been designed this way. I think Pullman and Burroughs are your auditioning members who try to make the band. And you watch this out tonight. That scene where the really final, like the the, the final decision, mm-hmm. the Miles Teller and the other drummer. I can't even remember his name. The other drummer, and there's, and, and there's three of them. At some point, there's three. Yeah. yeah. And he's putting them through the paces and he keeps saying, that's not quite my tempo. That's what Bruce Boudreaux is going to be saying tonight. Tucker Pullman, Kyle Burrows, Play Caravan. Play Caravan. Dun, 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 dun. I wish you get that tune, actually. But that's what this is tonight. Pl- play to Bruce's tempo. Jack Rathbone's in the band. He's in the flute section. Bo Horvath's the, the strings, someone else's uh, piano, whatever. They're all in. This is about Tucker Poolman and Kyle Burroughs tonight. Played Bruce's tempo, played the team's tempo, and by the way, the team's got to pick up the tempo too. But that's what this is about tonight for me. Uh, it's a ringing endorsement, I would say, for the star of the city all of a sudden, Christian Lennon. That's so preseason, man. <laughs> no, it is, but... This, to me, is an audition for another type of role, whereas Rolannon fits more of the Rathbone role, mm-hmm. and they're both out tonight, yeah. potentially. Uh, th- that looks, to me, a lineup that is very much about Tucker Pullman and Kyle Burroughs. Give me one more audition. There's eight bodies here. Maybe we're coming down to seven, but prove your worth, essentially. With with the injuries that are here, with, with Travis Dermott being out, and we know about the forward injuries, show what you got
1: here. I mean, that is ultimately what preseason's supposed to mm-hmm. be about. It's about these end-of-the-roster decisions. Can a player stand out? Can a player take advantage of, of an opportunity? Will uh, Lannan is in the camp of someone who's already put a little star next to his name, and, and Rathbone with the added expectations of being homegrown mm-hmm. and uh, um, having a skill set that people think can can even go beyond being a luxury-type player puts puts them in a, in a different category, but yeah, I, th- I think overall it's the the concern that people have had about the the team as a group and and their play and their their lack of their lack of wins through preseason has a lot more to do with hey if this if this is how they look like at the beginning of the season then there's you know, real real concern uh I I find it hard to put too much stock into that and that the preseason is very much that that whiplash moment, if you will, Bick. Uh, get a couple of guys in these situations, uh, very you know, specified roles. It's not like Kyle Burrows is going to you know decide what, where this Canucks team is headed, but can can a, can a player like him have have a role in this team? We saw it last year uh, where he was impressive at times. Mm-hmm. Well, also because he's playing the left side. That's the thing where I look at this and say, if this was
0: about Jack Rathbone, we kind of know the scenario. He's going to play on the left. He plays his style of game. This is another chance to try something different in the preseason. And if Kyle Burrows can play functional hockey on the left side, is that the Danny DeKaiser replacement? Because, which is not a, a high bar to cross of, to replace Danny DeKaiser, it's the idea of that role. There wasn't really, outside of OEL, that role that existed, left-handed stopper is the term I used. Defensive D-man, whatever you want to call it. But they need someone to play on the left side who's going to penalty kill. Jack Rathbone's not really that. Mm-hmm. Christian Relanin's not really that. Mm-hmm. Travis Dermott maybe... Can be. Can be. But I think this is an opportunity for Kyle Burrows to show, hey, if I can play this side, I can play that penalty killing role and I can fill that spot that is vacated. If Quinn Hughes is going to play right side... Here's an opportunity for Kyle, Kyle Burroughs to audition. And the Tucker Poolman thing is: hey, just, just show us where you're at right now. Because I don't think we've seen the best version of Tucker Poolman. I know some people are getting frustrated. Right. It's an injury thing, it's a body thing. It it sucks. It it takes a while to trust your body all over again. And you might gonna see you're you're gonna see some hesitancy from a player. And we see it all the time in in football and basketball, like someone coming off an ACL. It's not just the year to recover, it's also another year to trust your knee, trust your body again. And I imagine you, we've, we've seen a lot of um, hesitant play from Tucker Poolman, which when you already don't come in with a profile that people were expecting this flashy player or steady player it's easier for people to jump on. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to extend a bit more benefit of
1: the doubt to Tucker Pullman, but I'll sit here and say, yeah, it hasn't been encouraging so far through a handful of games. Yeah, I mean, you think about a, a perfect example comes to mind for me of uh, a player whose ceiling is higher in a different sport, but someone like Tyler Lockett, right? Like, so solid for the beginning of his career. You know what you're going to get, and then the knees maybe start to go. He's, his game changes a little bit, and there's there's a, sh- a short period of time where it's, oh, this guy might not be the same player. Eventually starts to maybe change his game a little bit, but also gets back to having comfort with the body. And the Tucker Pullman thing is it's it's the contract for most people, right? It's, yeah, it, the like, evaluation so things... of his game is it's that's in the wind. It doesn't really matter.
0: There's so many preconceptions that are working against Tucker Pullman before he steps on the ice. That when you don't play to a certain level, now people are going to pile on even more. It's it's a smaller scale Louis Erickson thing, and. When you don't live up to the billing of of the term of the deal and people are concerned that, hey, you don't really fit here, you don't really fit here. When you don't play well, people don't want to extend the benefit of the doubt despite the injury and say, hey, you have to overcome that immediately in preseason. That's not necessarily realistic. Mm -hmm. You have to provide the time for this athlete to reestablish his confidence in his body and playing with contact all over again. It's a fearful thing. If that takes longer than people want to extend, all right, it's going to take longer. He might not play because of it, but you're going to have to go through that process with Tucker Pullman until he gets to a certain standard. This tonight is a big shout by Bruce Boudreaux.
1: It's like, yeah, show it. Here's another chance for you to continue to make that progress. So what do you want to see? Because with Pullman especially, and we saw it with Burroughs last year at times, it's the physicality, Mm -hmm. right? And that's something that comes up in the text box probably every show that I'm here to do, especially a lot of the shows that I've done with you, where we're talking about the the identity of this team. And there's always, doesn't have that physicality, doesn't have that toughness, that aggressiveness. I'm not convinced that if either of those guys comes in and shows that they can be a real physical force that it's going to make a huge difference in the bottom line of this team. But there's still something to be said for having a guy who can fill that role and and do things like penalty kill mm-hmm. and also have that, that dimension because then that was when like when Kyle Burroughs was impressing last year, there was, oh, I, I think of him often going to the penalty box, but not because He's making dumb plays with his stick, or he's he's unaware of his surroundings because he was involved in you know a <laughs> heavy duty collision, and there's you know a, a little bit of antagonism and fighting and stuff like that, and that that was the, I mean that's sort of Tucker Pullman's calling card, mm-hmm. and we haven't seen that at all, you know, in a way that especially for a player he's not young young anymore. Where like I'm thinking about a player like Luke Shen, who's he has that in his back pocket, sort of like when Kevin Bieksa got older as a player, where you're not leading with the physicality and the fighting. But in, with a guy like Lushan, you know that it's still there. He's smart enough. To, it's to, there in his back He pocket. doesn't have to show it. These two guys, I think, do. Well, and that's, that, what, that's why it's a conversation.
0: That's what's coming into the inbox right now. 650-650, if you want to chime in. Snoop the dog texting in. Pullman versus Burroughs. What I want to see is Pullman and Burroughs involved in front of a scrum in front of the net. They drop the gloves with each other to take the battle for the last ball to the next level. Now, that's a bit much the next step, obviously. But
1: nevertheless, uh, that's kind of whiplash esque with tenacity, uh, stealing, yes. uh, stealing the uh, <laughs> the the music sheets. Bruce is going to whip a stick <laughs> at him. Yeah, duck and cover. I could see Bruce in that role. Oh, he, yeah. he, I know he's he's uh, presents like the nicest guy. But I mean, we we saw twenty four seven back in the day. Sure, he can get after it. He he could have been he could have been the instructor. He plays the coach role, right? Like.
0: Sometimes you get, uh, get in people's bushes. Uh, absolutely. 650-650. This one's from Gurjeet. Uh, isn't Burrows right-handed? He looks like a pretty solid defensive D-man thus far. He would work way better with Rathbone, in my opinion, than Tyler Myers. So that's part of the audition tonight, too. Hey, can you keep up to the tempo? But can you play the uh, the other side? That's a interesting uh, look there, too. Uh, if they can make that work. Because
1: he could play with Myers, Is... it, it always comes back to who plays with Myers. It's, yeah, it's pretty incredible.
0: It, it's it's like the only way the the it, like this all works, right? Yeah, because... the
1: pieces of the puzzle you move Hughes over because he's obviously your best defenseman. He's your best piece. I still am of the opinion that I I would I would exhaust all my options with him on the left side before. I think it's worth trying and in, in seeing if there's peace. But like now you're talking about two flips, and you have to do it because Hughes' value as the top minutes guy is obviously way higher either side mm. than, okay, we need to line this up left, right. But can one of these guys, playing on their offside, take advantage of the opportunity, still have that physicality and mesh with, with someone like Myers? That's that's what you're looking to see. If
0: if Burroughs works as a left-sided defense, mm-hmm. Then you could go full-time, not even situationally. Mm -hmm. You could do a thing like OEL and Hughes. Yep. Rathbone-Shan. Yep. Burroughs-Myers. And And then Dermot could fly in for Burroughs sometimes. Pullman, suddenly it's like kind of odd man out in this scenario. Yep, yep. And as the season evolves, yeah, some some games you might go uh, 11-8 and or... And, and and make that work or sorry eleven and seven to make that work with a with an extra body
1: and Willannon's your kind of coverage spot in this well Willannon is is useful to have because there is that offensive skill mm-hmm. set so Rathbone can't go Hughes can't go you're in larger trouble but for a game here you know Rathbone elevates you can move some things around perhaps that's the I mean that's the thing I always say this about defensemen it's it's like pitching in baseball you want, you want 10 12 reliable defensemen who can play at the NHL level and when we saw the Canucks Canucks for the last number of years have barely had that depth Seven. at the NHL level mm-hmm. the good teams they have players that can come up and we we've seen you know the occasional call ups the chat players like chatfield or breezebois are coming up and they're they're not they're not moving the needle
0: they can live for 3 4 games can you get to eight to fifteen, mm-hmm. and just eat reliable minutes? Is, is the baseball analogy rooted in innings and minutes kind of thing? Yeah,
1: and 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 uh, scarcity. You know, well, we, we spent so much time now talking about right defensemen. Mm-hmm. Their value is super high because they're it's like a left-handed pitcher, right? You know, like, oh, we we want this guy to to neutralize the great left-handers. How many really great lefty relievers are there out there, especially relief pitchers? There's there's not a ton. Like you look at a guy like Tim Mesa for the Blue Jays, he's made a, a pretty good career or even before that, Aaron Loop. Aaron Loop's still pitching in the big leagues because he's a lefty, he can throw in the in the nineties, and he'll have runs runs of success. But he obviously not a hall of famer, he's not an all star, but there's utility there. And um yeah, I mean I've heard I've heard multiple coaches who like baseball bring that up, but they, they view it the same way.
0: Right. Is there a bigger conversation then to have about defense right now across the league? Because I feel like we don't necessarily appreciate where the volume of defense kind of is. I think we're entering maybe a golden generation of the high end with your McCars, your Foxes, and Quinn Hughes, and Moritz Sider, Hedman Heiskanen, a handful of others. Josie. Yep. Yeah. Him too. Um, Charlie McAvoy. Like, the, the high end feels really great, but... Do we appreciate like that what that middle? Is there enough depth to cover the, to, to get the coveted, oh, wow, that top four looks so great?
1: I don't know if that exists. To me, it's the biggest gap in the sport. Yeah. The biggest gap used to be the, and I'd say this, whatever, 20, 25 years ago, the elite goalies yes. and the rest. Where if you had Dominic Hasek, you had Patrick Waugh, you had Martin Brodeur, and, and the rules were catered to such a way. Yeah. And the pads, that like, yes. Yeah. It, it was completely, get one of these players that has this skill set, plays at this level, we can cheat it a little bit with massive pads. JS Chagair three playoffs, <laughs> and then oh, the league average Dan Cluche. Not to throw him under the bus, but like he was just, at the time like an average NHL starter, and in, in the playoffs it made a huge difference. They obviously were playing against talented teams as well, but it, it was an easy thing to look at. And I saw this conversation pretty recently uh, about the overall depth of defense and, and how much. Focus we put on something like the third pair, where if you're really analyzing the best teams, they have serviceable third pairs. Mm-hmm. You look at a team like Tampa Bay, like Zach Bogosian was on their third pair last year, and he was you know, put the pedigree aside and the veteran, like his play last year was serviceable. They're a dominant team because they have two pairs that scare the daylights out of you. Same with Colorado. That's the, I look at Edmonton this year. Okay. You can like what they did. I mean, Edmonton, even that first pair with Nurse, and that's that's the situation, throw the contract away. Like what is Darnell Nurse as a player? He's probably second, third tier. He's certainly not on that list of, of guys that you just named, but he's been a good player for a long time. They had Like six... he's probably comfortably not a top ten left handed D man. No. I don't think so. And he's of of course he's now being paid like one. Sure. But they he can eat minutes and do it at a higher level than say Tyler Myers. And they paired with Cody Ceci, who for a long time was a whipping boy. They had a lot of success together. Then you look at the second pair. I know Brett Kulak is someone that the analytics really like. And I like his game too. But you're going into the season with Brett Kulak and Evan Bouchard. High prospect, big prospect, great offensive ability. That to me seems like a hole.
0: I was, I was looking at it recently. Uh, I'll try to bring it up here just to confirm, but I'm pretty sure I was right about this. Um, I was looking at left-handed D-men, just total minutes. Not average per game, total minutes. But someone who you talked about, you mentioned Kulak, was kind of an analytics darling. Someone's kind of been maligned is Mike Matheson. Yes. Who has had a decent season last year, has had failing seasons as well. Um, he was like 52nd in minutes for left-handed D-men last year. You do the math. It's like, okay, 30 teams. Someone's got to play number one minutes. Mm-hmm. Someone's got to play number two on the left side. That's low end second pairing minutes for a left shot D-man. And, and we don't sit here and say like, oh, yeah, Mike Matheson guaranteed top four. It's similar to the quarterback conversation. Yeah, there's 32 starting quarterback jobs. There's not 32 starting quarterbacks. It's, the no,
1: that's p- the, it's why the pitching analogy works yeah. too because there aren't 30 aces. No. There's maybe 15 but there's still every you no know, the Baltimore Orioles have an ace on their staff but when you're doing the league wide evaluation well the Mets have two aces cuz they have Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom and like, so it, now the math just plucks away it's Crosby exactly. and Malkin right yep.
0: it's like hey there's not
1: 30
0: 32 quality number one centers mm-hmm. and when one team has two of them it takes away and mm-hmm. suddenly everyone's chasing a gap and right now i just kind of think that that secondary market for D-man. It's, it's it's not deep enough. Even though we're in such an age of Rasmus Dahlin, Morgan Riley, who's like capable. Very good player. Very good player. And then that drop-off just happens and you get to, I don't know, like a, a stage of Cam Fowler.
1: Okay. Who L- yeah. L- 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 L-
0: I think is, again, good, a good career. viable player. Yeah. But, that like, seems like a big gap. And then the next gap to that is massive.
1: Well, I think part of it, and this is me thinking on, on the fly about it, we talk about a player like Jack Rathbone. Long term, could he be a top four guy? Sure, but a coach is not going to just feel comfortable dropping that player in to a top four role. Hey, here you go. And we're seeing fewer and fewer older defensemen in the league. Mm-hmm. Like there, when Alex Adler was playing for the Canucks, he was like one of the, he was like a top five older defenseman. He was like thirty three, and now he's he's still in the league. He's still cranking. He's still it hanging out. around. You look at Chris Tanev now with Calgary. He's now pretty much second pair guy, and that's. Probably where a player of his age and his skill set should be. And that's a huge bonus for them. Like when he hasn't been healthy, like we saw in the playoffs, they suffer a lot. And he's not hes not even the guy that has to carry the team. Or I look at Toronto. They go out, they get Jake Muzzin. He's supposed to be that neutralizing force. But now he's, he's older than 30. And those players, they drop off. But the players that are coming in, the the, the Rathbone generation, coaches are never going to just say, "Okay, you're you're right there." So there's there's totally this disparity, which creates the scarcity that we see, where the top guys are obvious, mm-hmm. and the players that can play on a third pair are obvious. The middle of that defensive lineup can be really tough, and I think that I think that has to be a factor: the the aging out, and then the players that are coming in not quite being ready for that role, but what are you, you going to do? Are you going to put a player like Jack Rathbone on the third pair? where you, He probably could thrive, but you know that the players like Kyle Burrows and Tucker Pullman, you, you absolutely can't put them on a second pair, which is why guys like Tyler Myers get paid.
0: It, it's, it's why we, when we get into conversations about deployment and say, oh, he's a top four D-man, that's not necessarily an evaluation of what the player's skill set is and how much capacity he has to take on the duties of, of what a coach is tasking to do. Same conversation, It's just apply it deeper down the the depth chart, what a number one D-man can do, and why they're so difficult to find. Like, Victor Hedman can cover up for two people, basically, because he's that skilled. You hope Quinn Hughes gets to a stage where it's like one and a half, basically, maybe two, basically. He's on a path to become a number one D-man, but it's still work in progress to get there. And I just think right now when we've talked about like the the Canucks decor in general, I think you're probably like me a little lower on it than maybe the fans might think mm-hmm. realistically they're probably like a 26th, 25th best decor. And I think on the station on the show I've said if things go right if like you get the perfect season on the back end. You could realistically see this team be like the 16th best d in the league. Yeah, that's what I was saying, middle of the pack. Yeah, but that's not necessarily a reflection of how good they can be. That's a reflection of where the rest of the league is with their defense, that the gap between 29th and the gap between 14th feels really small Mm -hmm.
1: because the depth just isn't there. Right, yeah, and that's why making these more creative decisions, putting Hughes on the right side because he's your best guy, that open up opportunities, even if other guys have to switch sides because of the role and the deployment that they're looking at.
0: Nick Nazar and Israel Fair will continue uh, this conversation uh, throughout the course of the show. You can chime in 650, 650. Also, uh, continue our preview of uh, the Pacific Division teams and uh, the Canucks are competing for for wild card spots and whatnot. Uh, Eric Stevens from The Athletic will join us on the other side talking about the Ducks and Kings uh, next here on The People Show. Special walk in music for our next guest, Chris Faber, who will join us in just a moment. Wrapping up the People Show, coming to you live from the Kintec studio this hour of the People Show, brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment, your Kubota All-Star team, avenue-machinery.ca, douglaslakeequipment.com. Let's talk to our guy, Chris Faber, who joins us now.
2: Fabes, how are you? Oh, you love to hear it, guys. That was excellent to come back to, <laughs> a little Nickelback. Hell oh I,
0: yeah. I, I, thought, and- I thought Dom was trolling you with that.
2: <laughs> no, I mean, that was used as the uh, the goal song yeah. at the last Canucks game as well, right? So, I, I thought you were
0: anti-the-song and anti-the-goal-song movement. Oh, favor is very oh, much no. not. Oh, okay. No, not
2: not for that one. And last time I joined you guys, we chatted about the Nickelback yeah. uh, music video that was filmed out there. And, and I didn't end up going because I didn't hear the song yet because I was like, oh, it's going to be a crappy Nickelback song. But that new song that Nickelback put out, San Quintiro or something like that. It, it's a banger. It sounds like classic nickelback. So so that's the song that was being filmed? Yeah, that the video for that one was the one that was filmed, uh was it SFU, I yeah. think, right? Yeah. I wanted to go. Yeah, that's the one. But, uh, I missed I out like big time. It. I feel bad now too, because the song absolutely slaps and I'm, you know, thinking it was just gonna be another crappy one. I think it would put out like uh Nickelback did like the devil went down to Georgia remix and that song sucked uh on the remix from Nickelback, but this one banged. So I was uh, a little let down that I didn't make the trip out there. Oh
0: man. Uh yeah, but the whole goal song thing. Um I I, I don't know. I I, I want I wanted to mean something to everyone, but is is that the song we're landing on?
2: Right now, I'm down for it. I'm also, I would love to see them go back to, like, the specific player goal songs. Like, I like that. Yeah, a I, li- fun I like and- that way more
0: than the idea of just a universal goal song. Because at least it's personal to the player, too. And you kind of get excited. You're
1: like, all right, we're going to hear that song. No more calling Baton Rouge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, like I think the the country song that that Brandon Sutter had, even like yeah. if we would have had that for his hat trick night, I know nobody was in the arena for that except for media, <laughs> but like would we would have really incredible. enjoyed it to hear. Like you don't get that song a lot, but it would be funny to see someone like you know what's Jason Dickinson's song when he scores. Like it, it would be something that fans I think would care. about always like arena, arena yeah. for sure. Yeah, I, I just I never saw
0: the downside to it. But uh, Horvat had put on by a Young Jeezy. Right. Oh, beautiful, good song. Uh, yeah. I, the, the whole Game off presentation, it's, it's, it's a fantastic experience uh, now. Uh, there have been a lot of improvements. But, yeah, just another little wrinkle. The thing I do want to see, I, I, I'm curious, though, how many teams do this across the league to copy the apps with the, the sing-along. The sing-along. Um, well, the Canucks have tried. Yeah, but it's, it's a variety of songs. There's no consistency to it. And it's a lot of really old songs.
1: <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's kind of the stuff that we've seen before. Yeah. Queen and...
2: The 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 yeah, ones that leaned into
1: like that. it, Faber, I, I, I like to see someone.
2: Yeah, I think, like, I even just think of, like, what happened with the Mets and the, was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah stuff like that. Before, you know, like, midpoint of the MLB season, the two big stories is, like, Aaron Judge's home run chase, and also this trumpet song that this closer comes out to. Like, <laughs> Jimmy to me, the, for a while there, that was, those were like the two big stories in baseball, which was incredible. So uh, to look throughout the playoffs, that was something that Avalanche fans were obviously having a ton of fun with, and yeah, it may be cool to kind of go that direction a little bit, and we'll, we'll probably see some cool things from the Canucks when they launch the season here, um, and uh, excited for that new media room as well. That's going to be a lot of fun for us uh, to deal with, but yeah, it'll be cool to see what they do. I know that's something that fans who are going to the arena should be excited about anyways the Canucks have done uh, a pretty good job like that superhero thing they did last year to start the year the first time we mm-hmm. all saw that like it was it was very cool yep. so uh, I think they got a lot to uh to live up to this year but we'll see if they can uh you know at least knock a double off the wall instead of hit it out of the park here with what they're gonna do Chris Faber
0: from Canucks conversation and CanucksArmy.com as well joining us uh, so we got a game tonight uh, coming up soon at Abbotsford center uh, against the Oilers McDavid in town for it uh, and, and they're rostering a, a pretty good lineup. I was making the point earlier, uh, Faber, that tonight is a, a big audition night for uh, both Tucker Pullman and uh, Kyle Burroughs that they can show in new roles. And Jack Rathbone, we'll get to him in just a second, but these guys, like it, it's it's kind of their final audition here.
2: Yeah, uh I- I completely agree. I think it's interesting, like looking at the forward lines that Batch tweeted out earlier today. Uh, you look at that forward line and you're like, hey, if they had to play a regular season game tonight, that might be what you see. Maybe you see Sheldon Dryas swapped mm-hmm. in for Niels Amon, but uh, with your Pullman point, I, I find it interesting because that wouldn't be the bottom four that I would put together if I was looking at opening night, playing a regular season game with points on the line. Uh, so I do think that this is kind of another chance for Pullman to get an opportunity there. It just feels like he hasn't gotten up to speed. Like a lot of people hope that he would, if you're mm-hmm. hoping that Pullman could, could bounce back from that injury and he he just hasn't gotten there to this point. So um, it, it, to me, it does feel like he's kind of the only one when I look at this lineup, um, to think that maybe this is somewhat of still like a trial point for a player in preseason. Otherwise it feels like this is the tune up for the regular season. So, uh, Pullman's probably a guy that a lot of people should have their eyes on because he's, he's going to get a decent amount of minutes playing with Oliver Ekman Larson. Um, and I, I don't think that's the pair. Like I, I was surprised to see, uh, OEL and Myers not together, uh, in this game, but Mm -hmm. maybe that's something that we wait for, for regular season to see, but good for Burroughs too. Like I like the opportunity for him to show some, what he looks like on the left side. Um, But, yeah, like aside from being uh, from what we see in the bottom four of that defense pairings, I think this is pretty much an NHL tune up game, and you're going up against one of the best in the world in Connor McDavid. So, should be an exciting night out there in Abbotsford. On Pullman, there's that whole idea,
0: that whole question. I think we uh, disconnected Izzy's mic there for just a second. Try again, Izzy. All right, we're good. I do want to ask about Christian Wilanin as well? We'll get to uh, it, it. We'll get to Izzy in just a second. Um, but Christian Wolanin, uh really impressed so far through the preseason. Do you feel like the, the like a roster spot, whether it's a, a depth spot, is solidified?
2: Yeah, I think uh, as an option for a call up right now for sure, and, and with the situation kind of being. Uh, a little cloudy with Travis Dermott. This, this kind of presents itself where if I'm looking at the eight defensemen to bring into opening night, because I don't expect the Canucks to go with seven, I'm, I'm expecting to see eight uh, be on the final roster. Right now, Olanen is there, so it, it, it was a good showing for him. Uh, even though it was just a preseason game, and the Canucks didn't have a great lineup for that game in Edmonton. You still saw a lot of really good things from Olanen, and, and he's going to get an opportunity to play a ton of minutes in the AHL. Uh, but also, I look at it like, look at the, the lineup he was going up against as well. He, he spent a lot of time on on the ice against Connor McDavid. He spent a lot of time on the ice against Leon Draisaitl and held his own, at least in a spot where it didn't look like the Canucks had a great lineup. So that's really nice to see in one game. For me, it's like, hey, if you could see that type of one game performance from him or maybe just like two or three of those throughout the regular season at the NHL level, it's a big win because you're not paying this guy a lot of money. You've got him as kind of AHL veteran leadership that you like. And if he does need to sneak into the NHL, I look at it in a similar way of like, you know, I thought Noah Juleson in the limited role that he got in the NHL, he held up fine. And I think that's all you're asking uh, from Willan. And you don't need 22 minutes like you had the other night from him, but if he can come in and, and not look out of place, that's still a win for you. He doesn't need to be Superman, but Uh, you know, at least if he just comes in and and fits, that's all you're really asking. I don't think he wins a spot over Rathbone or or pushes Burroughs that much. I, I think he will be in the AHL when Travis Dermott's healthy, but he'll play a ton of minutes down in the A. He'll be a really good defenseman for them uh, because losing Madison Bowie for the Abbotsford Canucks is going to be a, a thing that's going to hurt their offense, not to mention Jack Rathbone moving on as well. So they, they need some offense from the back end there, and I think Willainan's looked good. Those two assists were were great passes right onto the tape uh, in different situations, and, and honestly, yeah, he showed really well in the 22 minutes that he played the other night.
1: I think it's good for everyone would agree. It's good for them to have that depth uh, and, and have another offensive type player that can pitch hit for Rathbone or, you know, if, if something happens to Hughes, if, if he's gone long-term, it's a different conversation, but game in, game out to have that. But uh, when people look at the blue line, it's, I think, the reason people are looking at Pullman in Burroughs for, for that physicality. Luke Shen has it, but he doesn't lead with it anymore, like he did earlier in his career. He's He's a veteran player. He has more to his game than that. He can fight and and be a physical presence when he need when he wants to, when he needs to. But like do you think the Canucks overall even going down the depth chart to to what they have in Abbotsford have enough of that physicality, enough of that toughness defensively?
2: Um I mean I really like what Dakota Joshua brings. I think that um, even just looking at him and Curtis Lazar, just looking at some numbers the last week or so, I think they were both top 25 in the NHL uh, for hits per 60. Luke Shen's also up there as well. I still think he throws a ton of hits and, and we'll love to see what he does uh, with his physicality when he does bring it. Or even just the situation with Shen where it's like any time that you know you see a questionable hit, you love that Luke Shen's right there. And I think just having him on this this lineup is excellent for the Canucks. I think top to bottom, you're, you're probably lacking a little bit. I don't think there's anybody in the AHL um, that could potentially get a call up and be a guy that can bring a lot of that physicality. I I was a little let down throughout the preseason from Will Lockwood. I know that he's not going to be the big bruiser type, but you want to see him throwing hits, being aggressive. And I don't think he really showed it that much in his preseason opportunities. So hopefully he can kind of ramp that up in the AHL, get into a rhythm and, and potentially be a bottom uh, bottom line call up and, and be a guy who brings a little bit of that physicality, even though he's not the biggest body, at least he gets in on the four check and does throw some hits. But, uh, I, I do like Wyatt Kalyanuk. I know he's kind of in a similar situation, uh, to Christian Willanin where they're both left shot defensemen. They're about 25, 26. They've, you know, had some NHL games, but looked really good in their AHL games. And Kalyanuk was was kind of interesting at training camp, him kind of mixing it up with every player that he went into a battle with. There was one situation him and Connor Garland were battling in front of the net and you know they're by the end of it, they're cross-checking. We're seeing punches thrown. Like uh, I, I kind of liked that little bit of a pushback there from Kalyanuk so he might be a little bit of a a little bit of physical presence I don't know if you're going to see a lot of NHL games out of him but for depth and and what you'll see down in Abbotsford you'll have a guy like Kalyanuk who can push around guys and and obviously big Vinny Arsenault who we saw early in the preseason Uh, he's going to be sticking up for prospects down in the AHL and he's probably one of the best in the AHL for doing that Uh, Spencer Martin going to play
0: tonight Uh, we've had the conversation of uh, how many games he's got to play this season to spell off Thatcher Demko but but obviously you, you would have watched him a lot as well in uh Abbotsford. just in general, like what are you trying to project from his game and, and and what do you want to see from his game this season?
2: Yeah, I think you, you just want to see more of what you saw last year, and, and last year was a real steady progression upwards in his game. And a lot of that came from being able to work with Ian Clark, being able to have his whole game be restructured. I'm sure Kevin Woodley could say this 10 times better than I could and 10 times more and longer than I would. But I think just watching Spencer Martin be able to improve, come in as the guy who was really a third string AHL goaltender last year. They wanted to run with Di Pietro. They wanted to give Seelow some games here and there, but Martin just worked and worked and changed his game and became this basically just absolute student of the game that Ian Clark is trying to teach to his goaltenders. And if he can continue to do that, find a little bit more consistency, like there, there's a lot to like in Martin's game tonight's going to be a really good, kind of, I don't want to say test or showcase, but kind of like a mix of both of those two things to to see what he's going to look like against a Connor McDavid shot, to see what he looks like against a power play that's going to be, though it's missing some of their top players, it's still going to look pretty lethal from the Oilers. So those situations are going to be good to present to him in the preseason. And I think if you can get... You know, even even what we saw last year. If you get that amount of good games out of Martin in this coming season, though, he's probably going to be playing at least double or triple what he did last year in the NHL. If you can get seven, eight, nine quality starts out of Spencer Martin this next season, you're you got to be happy with the spot that he's in, and especially on a two-year deal. Uh, you want to be able to to kind of rely on this guy moving forward, though he hasn't had a huge sample size of what he does at the NHL level. His sample size is excellent uh, with the Vancouver Canucks anyway. So you want to see him continue to grow, continue to work with Ian Clark uh, and just continue to buy into whatever Ian Clark is selling because it worked last year for him.
0: Uh, what do you want to see tonight? Uh, I know there's been so much focus on the the results, 0-5, uh, but what else are you focused on tonight?
2: Yeah, really like the look of the Coles and Pedersen-Kuzmenko line. Right. Um, I think that's going to be a lot of fun to watch tonight. Um, also, seeing how Garland kind of fits in uh, with Miller and Pearson, I, I think that that line hasn't really been it just feels like they haven't turned it on yet. Right. Like they haven't got to that point in the limited times we've seen them play together in the preseason. It'd be nice to see those guys kind of turn it on a little bit. Um, but big time with that Pedersen pod Coles and Kismenko line, that's just going to be fun. Like that is the line that, you know, every time that they're out on the ice, like you can't be looking down at your food to to grab uh, some more popcorn. You got to be staring at the TV uh, with that tree on the ice. Cause they can do something special at that point. So th- that's kind of the big thing for me. Um, and maybe Pullman as well, right? Just keep an eye on this guy. How is he keeping up with the pace? Is he going to be good enough to make the opening night lineup for the Canucks? Tonight's probably a big tell for what we're going to see from Pullman over the next week here.
0: Uh, he's Chris Faber, Canucks Conversation, and CanucksArmy.com at Chris Faber39. Uh, keep rocking out to Nickelback, my
2: guy. Absolutely. Burn it to the ground, boys. Have a good one. Thanks,
0: Favor. <laughs> good favor. Joining us here on The People Show, Vic Nazar and Israel Fair. All right, let's get to it. Uh, it's time for The People's Picks, brought to you by Play Now Sports. Every game will feel like the big game when you bet with Play Now Sports, brought to you by BCLC. Looking ahead to tomorrow's Thursday night football game, Indy at Denver colts and broncos a couple uh horse themed rivalry teams i got i'm going nowhere with this going nowhere fast dom literally walking into the room shaking his head
1: let's ride
0: (laughs) yeah bunch of let's ride going on tomorrow (laughs) who who will ride harder tomorrow ride faster the colts or the broncos uh it's three and a half well based on Uh, your pick a better way to say uh, that. that I got a a sense of where you're going. Uh, Yeah, three and a half is the uh, spread. Total is 42. Uh, We'll get more into that tomorrow. Looking at some player props. Uh, I've mentioned that the Colts are bad. Or sorry, the Broncos are bad. Mm -hmm. I think the Colts might be worse. I'm so hyped on this team. They can't block. They invested all this money on the offensive line. It's kind of like the Canucks. Invested in, in the defense. But the defense isn't living up to a standard. The Colts have invested in the offensive line, and it's they can't do it. And Jonathan Taylor's out. And Jonathan Taylor is out. Like he, we've talked to Danny about this. Like he's getting touches, but he's not actually producing because mm-hmm. there's no space. So I think what's going to happen is you're going to see a lot of punts, and Russell Wilson's going to get the ball a ton. And so I'm actually going over with uh, a Russell Wilson prop, passing and rushing yards. Uh, it's priced at 260 right now for player passing. And rushing yards at plus one ten, so uh, two hundred and sixty plus taking
1: the over. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm with you on the on the Colts because I've got Matt Ryan under twenty point five completions. Uh,
0: is, is there a Matt Ryan over fumbles prop? Right I, now? I was looking, Nine I was, I was trying to find
1: a, a pick one too because I I feel like that's probably in the mix as well. I'm sure, we can find one of those. It has been such a bad season for the Indianapolis Colts. It,
0: it, it's there's always one team that has like a perfect storm kind of manifest. I really think it might be the Colts. And in contrast to the Jags, who are really emerging, and the Titans, who are in transition but are very scrappy and very well coached. Yeah. I just I, I, I don't know if I'm more disappointed in a team this year than I am the Indianapolis Colts. Because I, I thought this would be it. They went from Carson Wentz and the chaos that was last season, and they, they chose an adult in the room. They chose Matt Ryan. Who I thought it was spectacular last year in Atlanta for a really bad team, and the environment would just be better has not translated at all. They have major issues uh, defensively, or uh, oh, sorry, on the offensive line, yeah, and defensively they, they just they've they brought in Gus Bradley, who famously with the Seahawks, yep. went to Jacksonville, has been in a couple other stops as well, Raiders, and you get a certain baseline, you just don't get the ceiling, and you, they got they can't generate turnovers. It's it's Problem right now for the for the Indianapolis Colts. So I think you'll see uh, Russell Wilson hanging on to the ball a lot tomorrow uh, and getting his opportunities again, plus uh, 110 for over 260. Uh, Izzy's going with the under on completions for Matt Ryan, uh, 20 and a half. And he's, look, he's had a uh, tough season himself. I know because I have him in fantasy a lot. Uh, <laughs> and I invested in the uh, Indianapolis Colts a lot, but yeah, he. he They can get after him, Uh, and we'll see if they can uh, even get the ball very much and and try to get back in that AFC. Sorry, did you mention you have him in fantasy? Matt Ryan? Yeah. Uh, In a few leagues, yeah. That Uh, doesn't matter! Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. Just let me let it out, man. We we, we got a text earlier, because I was talking about the Joe Carter home run, and me jumping on the coffee table, someone texted me like, this just feels like a Bix therapy session right now, talking about that the great moment. Because I was, I, was, I was letting it out. No one's going to save me? All right. Let's wrap up the show on that one.
1: Thanks, guys. <laughs> we gave you your free therapy already, man. <laughs> Thanks. We start charging charging by the minute after that. I'm sorry. It literally, our
0: time is literally up, and you guys just kind of did the, I'm sorry, our time is up. I, I, I just got up from the, from the couch. Opened the door for you. Uh, that's See the you next week. That's the People's Pick, brought to you by PlayNow Sports. When you choose to bet on sports at playnow.com, you're playing on the only site whose profits go back to BC, know your limit, play within it. Vic Nazar and Israel Fair, we'll pass it off to Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah, who are taking the Kintech Mobile Studio on the road to Abbotsford. Big game day versus the Oilers. We'll see if the Canucks can pick up a W as well, break the winless streak in the preseason. Canucks Central on the way on Sportsnet 650. This is the People Show.